Hello? Ma! Guess what? Oh, my God. No, it's nothing bad. I'm getting married. You what? I'm getting married. Oh, my God, you're getting married? Yes. Oh, I can't believe it. Frank, come here. You come here. Georgie's getting married. What? Georgie's getting married! Get the hell out of here. He's getting married? Yes! To a woman? Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello, Ivan. Hello, Stephen. And hello to you, our listeners. Welcome to another week of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We're a Melbourne, Australia podcast, and every week we take a random episode of Seinfeld and examine the secondary characters from it. This week we're doing uh, the season seven premiere, The Engagement. That's right, yes. Uh, this one establishes the season of season seven and, uh, yeah, lays the groundwork for an extremely memorable 22, 23 episodes that come up, especially yeah. the finale. Yeah, and uh, it sets up the main storyline through the episode, which is George and Susan's engagement. And uh, basically from halfway through this episode, George is trying to find ways out of it mm. uh, because he regrets making the decision to try and, well, getting back with Susan. Yeah. And it also sets up a whole bunch of other sort of ongoing themes throughout this episode. Yeah. It's certainly one of the better. Oh, sorry. Throughout this season. Throughout the season. Yeah. I get I get what you were trying to say. Certainly one of the better season premieres of Seinfeld, I think. I, actually, there was quite a few enjoyable moments in this one. I find like some of the season one episodes are a bit like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. But this one had, a, I don't know, had a bit of heart to it. Yeah. Some of the previous uh, season premieres were eventful episodes in and of themselves but this wasn't a super eventful episode it wasn't a cl- it's not a classic episode no, it just lays but, the groundwork yeah it's a lot more uh substantive you know it's a lot more uh important for the rest of the season as opposed to just a you know a hit episode on its on its own certainly and it's our second week in a row where we're out of hard lockdown in melbourne so Stephen is back in the vandalay studios with me recording which is fantastic much better you know editing and recording compared to remotely so uh, it's great to have you back again my friend thank you good to be back indeed you can can send us an email if you want to say good day bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com or if you want to make some packs you can follow us on social media <laughs> at b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c and you can support us financially for some bonus content right steve that's right we are on patreon so head to patreon.com forward slash bidwabask for as little as two dollars a month that's us you can get uh early access to our standard episodes they come out about a week earlier uh, it does change from time to time but uh, roughly a week earlier and you can get access to our bod- uh, b podcast podcast a podcast a yeah. podcast there you go B-podcast. why not yeah. <laughs> Curbcast, where we uh, examine Curb Your Enthusiasm, episode by episode, season by season. Uh, we're about halfway through season three at the moment. Uh, and we also have some other bonus goodies like movie reviews and uh, access to our season 11, which is our fictional episode, uh, fictional season of Seinfeld set in the current day. Uh, we've got about four episodes left of that season and they'll be happening uh, towards the end of this year. We've just got to get around to finish writing them. Yeah, we need to write the scripts. I mean, one to six are out already and you can listen to one on your uh, free feed that you're listening to at the moment. Episode one of season 11 but yes episodes 7 to 10 will be on patreon a bit later on this year that's right you can also uh give us one-off donation on paypal if you don't want to subscribe to a monthly fee on patreon and finally we do have the biggest seinfeld group on facebook seinfeldisms check that out uh, we've got all sorts of cool stuff coming up uh, some cool sponsors coming up uh recently we got for our australian listeners and our overseas listeners if you want to partake uh movember have come on board oh great yeah so they reached out to me recently and because of the famous scene uh i think it's the season six 
six premiere or is it the season eight premiere where George and Jerry have mustaches? Oh, that's the butter shave from season nine. Season they nine, grow yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer, yes. Yeah, uh, right. someone from I can't remember his name from November uh, reached yeah. out to me and oh, asked great. if he could just sort of plug their cause. And uh, for again those non-Australian listeners, I think most Australians would have heard of November. It is a charity uh, that raises money for research into men's prostate cancer, mm-hmm. which is a pretty severe issue, especially for men around our age in their thirties and forties. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, check that out and uh, all sorts of other good things. Very good, my friend. Well, speaking of Seinfeldisms, let's kick off the episode with some real-life Seinfeld-related events in our week. Well, Stephen, I have a really interesting one and one which I did not expect at all. It just it was like a curveball. So, Friday night, I was, you know, watching TV and I was like, you know what? I feel like watching a really bad movie. You know, like sometimes you feel like junk food or you feel like something like a guilty pleasure or something so bad it's good. You just um, want to rot your brain for two hours. Yeah, well, not 90 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking to myself, I'm going to watch a really shit movie, or at least try and get through it as much as I can. Scrolled through Amazon Prime. I was like, eh, whatever. Came across one of those spoof movies. You know, those really, you know, the after scary movie in mm. the year 99, 2000, whenever it came out. There, there was, was a like wave that, of them. Of a wave of like really shitty spoofs. I watched, well, can only get through the first 20 minutes before I <laughs> turned it off. That's how bad it was. Uh, Meet the Spartans. It was like a ripoff of 300. Yeah. But it had like a lot of like mid to late 2000s pop culture references, like American Idol, right. Britney Spears's, you know, Meltdown. Like, I literally only watched like 20 minutes and I turned it off but one notable scene at the very start it's the parody of the scene where they deliver the message to I think Leonidas the main character Jared Butler's character but obviously it's a spoof like another actor when he kicks him uh, kicks down him, the well kicks him in the pit yeah so the messenger he's played by uh, the actor who plays Jackie Charles Phil Morris oh right? cool so it was him and I thought oh that's pretty cool but that's not the Seinfeldism or the main Seinfeldism they're talking about um, so they're in Sparta and it's implied that Spartans are really open with their sexuality and it's like a very it's like a homoerotic kind of thing and like you see all these spartan soldiers you know like wearing like homoerotic gear and they're kind of touching each other and you know about to kiss and they say like the men kiss each other and the and the men give the women high fives you know that kind of stuff and and phil morris's character looks to Leonidas and says not that there's anything wrong with that oh cool and they all kind of I think the actors I think the characters are meant to be like a bit self-aware like the main character looks at him and goes oh, cool yeah yeah so okay. obviously cool. the actor was from Seinfeld and he said that line and that you know the actor like the character was kind of clued in like ah oh, Seinfeld yeah cool. it was like the oddest Seinfeldism I yeah. was like who would have thought yeah I mean <laughs> you expect to see some Seinfeld actors in other things because they're actors yeah but for them to drop a Seinfeld reference even in a movie that Ref, uh, that makes fun of pop culture and uses pop culture as its reference. Yeah, I can understand why that would be unexpected. You'd be like, oh yeah, Phil Morris, cool. Like, yeah, he's he's an actor. He's going to be in movies. So that's fine. Yeah. And then he drops a Seinfeld line, and yeah, I can understand why that would be strange, but uh, cool. Yeah, and then his character gets kicked in the pit, and then all these other people <laughs> get kicked in the pit. It's, it's dumb. Like, right. I watched twenty minutes, and I'm like, oh. Fuck. I'm done. Yep. I can't like it's too bad. It's yeah. too bad. Yeah, there's yeah. good, bad, and bad, bad. There's yeah, and there's so bad it's good, but this was so bad it's shit. Yeah. Like bottom of the barrel. Yeah. I'm like, oh I'm- <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Most of those movies haven't aged well. I mean, they sucked when they first came out, but yeah. watching them now, even scary movie, you're like, why did I find this funny? It's a and lot not- of the pop culture references are so empty. Yeah, and it's so just empty. I don't know, you're just like, yeah. this this is just dumb. Yeah. Like, you know, if you want good spoof movies, Hot Shots too. That's all you need. Yeah, that's everything all you need. else or and, and Naked Gun. Naked Gun's fab and, and flying air, high. Yeah, or airplane in Airplane, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Airplane, yeah, all those ones, the Leslie Nielsen ones. Yeah, up until like the mid '90s, there hasn't been really good, any good spoof movies. <sighs> yeah, the peak of spoof was like late '70s, early '80s yeah. into the early '90s. I think you know the popular is like the the normalization of the internet sort of like rendered spoof movies a bit redundant because it's like. We don't need movies to capture 
pop culture zeitgeist to make fun of it because the internet just does it mm. via memes. Yes. Like memes are kind of like the modern day spoof movie. They are. And, yes. they're, and because they're so instant, something happens and there's memes everywhere before you even know. You know, you don't need a spoof movie to make fun of it two years down the line mm. after it happens. So, of course. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now we've just got real, you know, reality comedy like Gonzo comedy like The Office. Yeah. Which is fine. Which is fine. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, the most odd Seinfeldism I've probably had in a long time. Yeah. No, unexpected for yeah, sure. extremely. Uh, I've only got one Seinfeldism as well, and it's basically the same as what yours was a couple of weeks ago. I was driving down Torrey Road in Richmond, and I saw the big Latte Larrys. You did the same one that I saw, yeah. Yep. yep. And nice. at first, I was like, oh, I didn't know about that thing. And then 30 seconds later, I realized, oh, hang on, Ivan mentioned that two or three weeks ago when we recorded. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my Seinfeldism. Excellent. Repeat Seinfeldism. Yeah. I was going to <laughs> Ikea, so. Ah, uh, yeah. It's on the way, yeah. yeah. Just down the road. Yeah. Cool, man. Anyway, Seinfeld news. How many pieces do you have this week? Uh, three this week. None of them are related specifically to Seinfeld, but uh, they are are all Seinfeld adjacent. Uh, the first one, uh, starting off on a bit of sad news, the actress Elsa Raven, who played most famously the uh, Save the Clock Tower woman in Back to the Future, yes. one and two, maybe even three. Yep, yep. Uh, she passed away. Uh, she was 91 uh, and her relation to Seinfeld was that she played the mum in the mum and pop store she did that's right I mean there's been so many actors from Seinfeld who've died this year I think we should do like an in memoriam yeah. episode maybe like on our Christmas break yeah I mean we yeah. every time uh, one passes away we always talk about it on Seinfeld news but it would be good to do an episode that sort of collates yeah. all the passings this year just yeah. to sort of you know just so it's collected in one one thing rather than distributed all over our Seinfeld news yeah and we can do like a bit of a bio on the actors yeah. and their characters yeah yeah. I think that'd be nice, be nice. Yeah, yeah I mean cool. we're Release yeah. it as a bonus over Christmas. Yeah, there seems yep. to be a lot more this year. Like, you know, the previous years we've done the podcast, there might have been two, three, four, maybe five. But this year there's like eight, nine, At ten. At least. Yeah. I know. Quite so, a few. Quite a few. So, yeah, we'll definitely do that episode and release it to everyone yep. later in the year. Cool. Mm, indeed. The second bit of Seinfeld news. Uh, again, sad, but not as sad as a passing. But uh, the famous weatherman, Al Roker, he has announced that he's decided to take some time off work, being a weather announcer, to deal with some prostate cancer he was diagnosed with recently. Oh, goodness me. And today uh, we found out it's not Seinfeld later but alex trebek the host of jeffy he died yeah. of pancreatic cancer today yep so the, sad. i mean we had our own host for jeopardy in australia didn't we did we have jeopardy in australia uh did we i thought well, maybe, maybe, maybe we didn't sure lived <laughs> can't remember yeah um but I mostly know Alex Trebek for uh, Will Ferrell's ah, uh, Saturday version. Night Live yeah, and yeah, Sean yeah. Connery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah as, oh, and, who died recently too. Yeah, oh, true. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah maybe yeah, yeah. Is Burt Reynolds dead? Yeah, he's yeah, dead. Yeah, he died he? Uh, like a few years ago. I yeah, think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, yeah, I know, I know. I love the Saturday Night Live yeah. uh, version. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. good. Uh, I slept with your mother last night, Trebek. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'll take the rapist <laughs> for, for 300. He's like, a rapist. He's like, it's therapists. <laughs> <laughs> Shuck it, Trebek. <laughs> Show it, Trebek. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, fantastic. Most SNL skits don't really stand the test of time, but those ones do. They're fab. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Al Roker's relation to Seinfeld was that he played himself in the uh, the cigar store Indian when uh, Elaine runs into him on the train and Elaine's got the TV, TV guy with him on the cover. That's it. And uh, Al Roker's like... Uh, he does the same pose yeah, as on the magazine. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the third bit of news, again, a bit random, but definitely related to Seinfeld. A crate of oranges in Japan sold for $9,600. <laughs> nice. So every year, and it reminds me, uh, and anyone who's from Queensland or knows about this in Queensland would uh, know what we're talking about. Uh, every year, it's kind of like a ceremonial thing to celebrate the start of the mango season the first crate of mangoes for the season in queensland is auctioned off to the highest bidder and uh you know it usually gets covered in the news etc etc similar thing here in japan so a region of japan and uh i'm not going to pronounce it uh but it's on the island of shushiku 
Shikoku, Shikoku. Okay. It's in southern Japan. Every year, a rare form of mandarin that they produce called the Mikan um, is auctioned off to the highest bidder. Again, much in the same way that mangoes are in Queensland here in Australia. And uh, this year, uh, during COVID, obviously a lot of uh, businesses have shut down or uh, are watching their purse strings a bit more. Uh, everyone thought that the bid would be, you know, maybe sort of five to ten thousand dollars US. Oh, sorry, five to seven thousand dollars US. But it went for, like I said before, nine thousand six hundred US dollars, which was higher than expected. Uh, and they see it as like uh, a fortuitous uh, sign of, you know, a positive season to come. You know, like this year has been pretty rough for everyone across the world, and uh, such a high bid uh, sort of instills, you know, amongst fruit growers and people in Japan that, you know, maybe we're over the worst of it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a bit of positive news for not only the local fruit growers in Japan, but hopefully for the rest of us as well. And you're probably wondering how is that linked to Seinfeld? That's linked to the episode, The Checks, where they give the oranges to the Japanese TV yeah. executives. You're exactly. probably like, what's this had to do with Seinfeld? For those who might not remember. Yeah. But watch The Checks episode and you'll understand. Exactly. Indeed. Yeah. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, buddy. I think this is going to be a short episode today. I only got uh, some notes on two or three characters today, uh, but we're going to talk about after this break some secondary characters from the premiere episode of season seven, The Engagement. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, aka Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld, and I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. The Engagement is Season 7, Episode 1, and it is the beginning of George's short engagement to Susan, which culminates in her death in the finale of the same season. First aired in the US on September 21st, 1995, directed by Andy Ackerman and written by Larry David. In this episode, while sitting in the coffee shop, Jerry and George resolve to grow up and take life more seriously. Jerry decides to call the woman he recently broke up with because she shushed him, Melanie, played by Athena Massey. For his part, George has been thinking a lot about his former girlfriend, friend Susan, Heidi Swedberg. After imagining the ideal life they could have together, he goes to her apartment and proposes. She accepts, and George immediately begins to have second thoughts, especially after Jerry breaks up with his girlfriend a second time. Elaine, meanwhile, is having trouble with a neighbor's barking dog and enlists the help of two professionals to get rid of the problem. Kramer and Newman. Professionals loosely used. Professional idiots. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, loosely used. Other secondaries in the episode, the Costanzas make an appearance, of course, played by the late Jerry Stiller and Estelle Harris. Renee Fire, she plays George's chess-playing girlfriend, Alice, at the start of the episode. At the time, she was credited as Renee Phillips. And, Stephen, a character who ends up in the Puerto Rican day, he plays uh, Lamar, aka Maroon Golf, Mario Joyner. He's credited as himself. He's the guy who talks to Jerry about Firestorm outside yeah, the theatre. as they're leaving the, the cinema, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I, I was thinking, that guy looks really familiar. Yeah, I recognised him and then I rewatched the scene and I thought about it and, yeah, Maroon Golf came up. Yeah, because uh, apparently Mario and Jerry are really close friends. Mm. So he was able to get a part on that and later on he appears in uh, the second last episode of Seinfeld, Puerto Rican Day. It would have been um, fun, you know, being real-life friends but then playing enemies in that episode. Would yeah. Been, you know, a nice change of... You know, it just would have made it more fun, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously we can establish that they're two separate characters because they're mates and then suddenly they're enemies again yeah. two seasons later but yeah but anyway a bit of trivia about the episode what do you have my friend the expression happy pappy which is the reason George <laughs> breaks up amongst many uh, with Alice was actually inspired by uh, Heidi Swedberg who plays uh, Susan Ross she used it uh, on set off camera when she was talking to Larry David about the script and her scenes and stuff and uh, Larry David uh, wasn't really a fan of it so he wrote it into the episode as a as a reason for George to break up with her so I feel like Heidi Swedberg really copped it through this season oh, I mean she did yeah, you know, I mean, she wasn't. She didn't get along too well with the cast. No, no. Yeah, and I mean, I can imagine 
No one really knows what she was like. There's been a few anecdotes. Jason Alexander, most famously, I think, on the Howard Stern show, talked uh, a bit mm. about what she was like, and that's why she was killed off on the show. Yeah. And, you know, I get why people would maybe be a bit agitated with her if she was a difficult person to work with. But to see your sort of catchphrases turned into jokes, you know, used against women on the show, I don't know, that's such a... That would hurt so much, that you know. That would, yeah. I could yeah. imagine she probably wasn't happy with No, that. no, no. Yeah, you yeah. know, imagine when she was watching the episode, she might not have seen that script part of the script or seen that scene being filmed, so she would have maybe only realised when the show aired or whatever and she was like hang on i say that yeah started, now it's being used in a negative yeah. way on the show like oh, and that started the riff yeah her and everyone else yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the scene where elaine screams out her window at the barking dog that was shot the day before the audience taping so that's the reason why julia has such a harsh voice because she screamed so hard take after take that it affected her voice and her real life laryngitis she had at the time had to be added to the script ah. mm, so she really she wasn't putting on the voice i imagine it would be pretty hard to put on to act a sore throat i mean you can act sick in other ways but mm. that's it, it's hard to change your voice to sound convincing yeah in in you know having laryngitis or some sort of throat issue because i know jld is such a great actress but surely she's not that good she can pull that off no you know no one can no <laughs> you'd have to scream until uh, yeah you'd have fast. to you'd have to it would have to be real yeah it have to be yeah <laughs> yeah in this episode and they don't really talk about how it happened or why it happened uh, reveals that george's parents reunited uh in this uh off season between six and seven that's right because in the final part of season six they separated yeah that's right so you know they obviously thought that life was better with each other than without and decided to get back together that's it Absolutely. And also the actress who plays uh, Melanie, who's Jerry's girlfriend in the episode, Athena Massey, she is the one who insisted on eating her peas one at a time. Uh, she's been on the record as saying that she now eats her peas with a spoon. Ah, okay. <laughs> she must have had people ask, do you eat your peas one at a time? And she's like, no. <laughs> I don't know why you'd have to change utensils, though. You can still eat more than one pea at a time with a fork. Yeah, you can. I don't, I don't know. know. That's odd. <laughs> we can talk about that when we speak about her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The final bit of trivia I have is that uh, the scene, the little montage where George is being thoughtful and thinking what does he want out of life was shot on Santa Monica Pier and uh, that appears in tons of different not only Seinfeld episodes but different movies and it's a regular shooting location because so much is shot in LA yeah it's funny though because it is shot in LA but it's set in New York yeah but it says Santa Monica Pier you actually see Santa Monica Pier oh do you yeah. I didn't notice that <laughs> you can see it you think they... it's written on the bench oh yeah <laughs> So that's a bit odd. Like, yeah, you, know? you think they could have like easily covered that up or yeah. just edited, shot it in such a way that you couldn't see it. No. Don't know. Oh well, <laughs> one of the very few uh, mistakes made by Seinfeld production team. Absolutely, one, only very few. But anyway, let's talk about the secondaries. Hey, shall we start with? Uh, I guess we could talk a bit about Susan in this episode because this is her first appearance on the show since season four. Do you want to talk a bit about her in this episode? Yeah, I mean, she does have her own "What's to Deal with" episode way back when. Um, so if you want to listen to that, go back through your feed and find that one. And we have talked about her at length as she's appeared uh, through the episodes that we've done on the podcast yeah i mean there's nothing really uh, in this episode that she does or doesn't do that adds to anything we've already talked about but it is noteworthy and i only sort of pick this up this is recycled ideas or recycled material but you know in season four especially when she's dating george uh when they're shopping the pilot to nbc you know she's a high-powered business executive she seems very on top of her game you know like winning at life and it all kind of just falls apart she loses her job her father loses her uh their cabin you know she goes through a lot of shit with George and normally someone and, and George during season three and four wasn't as broken a person either you know he's still a loser mm. but he gets more and more loserish as the show goes on yeah but the fact that 
it only took a couple of hours for Susan to be convinced to marry George, to me demonstrates that she was probably still reeling from that horrible period of her life. She was a bit broken. A bit broken too. Yeah, I feel like she yeah, she tried to go in other relationships to compensate. But mm. I feel like she might have still had feelings for George. Maybe yeah. like she had like and because they went through a lot of stuff together, she probably yeah, she was probably still traumatic from, you know, finding out her father was gay, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, she went through you a know, lot. A lot of stuff. Her world, her yeah. world kind of fell apart. Yeah. Because I feel like obviously him begging her to marry him wasn't on the screen, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I feel like maybe Susan at first was very reluctant. Yeah. And I feel like maybe Susan was feeling lonely by that point because she broke yeah. up with her girl girlfriend and you know i feel like she was lonely and she probably wanted i, I we might have mentioned this in her special episode i'm not sure but i feel like she wants i think we might have vaguely said it was a few years ago but i do remember i think we said something along the lines of she wants security and she kind of wants to settle down yep and want to have and she you know she's so busy with work or she was at the time that she didn't have time to find a man yep and you know because they've gone through so much with george and then george has those feelings about her susan's like you know what i actually still like george and I kind of want to settle down. Yeah. So let's uh, let's do it. I'm gonna have to disagree slightly. I slightly. don't. Th- I don't think she. I agree with the fact that she. You know, she she was coming from a place of insecurity and she just wanted to settle down. But I don't think she decided to marry or get engaged to George because she had any lingering feelings. I think she just wanted. She was so sort of broken and sad. Sure. That any form of like a stability in her stability, life. Stability. That's the you know word. even yeah, even yeah, though yeah, George yeah. is not a stable person and it's not like he's a changed person. He's still the you know he's even more broken in season seven. Than really he is in season four. I think she was just desperate. You know, Probably I think I think yeah, I think yeah, anyone yeah. could have come to her door and spent a couple of hours and she would have been convinced because she was just so at a loss with life. And I always gotten the feeling that throughout the rest of the season that she's trying to convince herself that she's in love with George. Well, yeah, it, do- it doesn't seem yeah, like a yeah. natural like I like this man, regardless of all of his flaws and his horrible behaviour. It seems like she's just trying to convince herself that I want to do this, but she really doesn't. That's a very good point. Yeah, because you know she's in her thirties. Yeah, her biological clock is ticking. She probably wants children yeah. as well. And she's probably like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to marry this guy necessarily, but I do want some security. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to marry him really, but I want to, I want that more than to not be married. Yeah, that's right. And because when I'm 40 or 50, I can't have kids and that's it. Yeah. I'm too old. Yeah. 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 It just seems like a, a desperate choice for her. I um, feel like it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as uh, everyone knows at the end of the season, it's her final undoing. Yeah. Her undoing. So, she loses her life for him. So you see it. It's the genesis. The, yeah. the genesis of her evolution into her death. Yeah. Of sorts. Yeah. It's a pretty grim storyline. I mean, it's hilarious. Don't get me wrong. Oh, it's but, fun. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the way they handle it is very dark. But uh, it's when you look at it objectively, not through the eyes of a Seinfeld fan, it's like, well, that's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> great writing, too. I yeah. Because, you know, so many things, like, I won't go obviously in too much detail about other episodes in the season but you know at first you know they delay the wedding yep and then something else happens and then george tries to get out of the relationship and then he tries everything you know to kind of break it up mm. amicably mm. and then it's like the ultimate way of stopping the wedding death yeah you know it's like yeah. the final it's like the worst way you can do it well i mean it's a yeah it's a, it's a trump card what can you do like yeah. it's just you can't marry a dead person no that's right yeah, so, yeah, so um another another thing that made me think that she was desperate for some stability even with someone she probably didn't have any lingering feelings for like George she was that desperate she still decided to do it with him was that you know the day after or even the day of she's already sort of decided on their routines as a couple you know they watch Mad About You they can't see the movies he wants you know she's already sort of not hooked into him in a bad way but just established the dynamics of their relationship straight away Mm -hmm. and I think she was so 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 hungering for that that even if someone as bad as George came along she's like you'll do and she just sort of sinks her claws in because she doesn't want to she doesn't want to go back to being lonely yeah this is the start of the slow death of independent george yeah yeah 
Well, I mean, it's gone straight away. You know, he's he's fighting for independent George from, you know, the minute that he can't see Firestorm with, uh, is it Firestorm in this episode? Firestorm, yep. Is, is it, it is Firestorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they end up seeing the mutant heart. The mutant heart. Yeah, the yes. minute he can't see Firestorm, independent George is, he may not be dead, but he is, you know, a wisp of his former self. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And he's fighting to regain that throughout this whole episode. Yeah, and even the season. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry, that's <laughs> I keep saying yeah, episode. Yeah. I mean the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both was, are applicable. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we do see. And it's funny because George, you know, he's all happy and excited but the thing that tips him over the edge is when jerry says oh, i broke up with my girlfriend again because she eats her peas one at yeah, the time. yeah and then jerry is you know jerry hasn't grown from the experience no and then as soon as that happens george just kind of that's when he just drops yeah he loses any excitement about getting engaged mm-hmm. yeah he seems to only want to get engaged if jerry's getting engaged he's like he can't he's codependent he can't make an independent decision no. and that just reaffirms how immature they are he can't go hang on like I can still be friends with Jerry and move on with my life. You know, being engaged, it has to be because Jerry is as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the fact that George desperately begs Susan and Susan reluctantly, but ultimately agrees. George, I mean, no one is really self-aware. There's not many moments of self-awareness in this show, but George, I think, should be self-aware enough to go, hang on, I've just begged this woman who's gone through a really rough time that I caused two or three years ago. Maybe I should break up with it. Like, maybe I should call this off before it goes too far. Yeah. But he's too much of a, of a coward to call it off and... You know, he find, he's trying to find ways to do that throughout this season. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, it demonstrates Susan's desperation and, again, her trying to convince herself that this is the right thing, even though she knows it's not. It's not, yeah. That marrying George, and not just marrying George, but marrying into George's family, which is arguably more dysfunctional than mm-hmm. he is. Even worse is horrible. I mean, her parents aren't very functional. You know, they're quite dysfunctional too. But it's just a confusing and grim storyline. Great storyline, yeah. but just a lot of a uh, lot of complicated feelings about it. And Susan made the ultimate mistake. She you know, did. A grave mistake, literally. Maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe it was better than a life with George. A life filled with misery and <laughs> I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah. Probably not. Well, I mean, if she's desperate enough to marry someone like George, knowing full well what he's capable of, you know... Like I said, he's broken her. It's not like she was ignorant of what George is really capable of. He didn't show his best self with Mm. her, Mm. you know, and he caused so much mayhem. The fact that she's, I don't think she would have regained that confidence by being married to George. I reckon she would have just stayed in this like lull of life and just accepted that her life's pretty shit with George. She would have become like a female. Yeah. yeah, Not not uh, growing, not developing, not. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think she would have regressed to George. But yeah, she would have she would have been very very stunted. Yeah, stunted. By, She'd be stagnant for the rest of her life. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I could foresee her maybe in the future leaving him. You know, he he just goes too far. He tells a lie, one lie too many, or he, one of his schemes falls apart or whatever but I think it would take her a while to get there if she didn't die and they ended up getting married Mm. it would take her a long long time if anything George has sort of slowed down her recovery of you know from that grim period of her life because being married to George would be even if you're in a good spot being married to George would just drag you down yeah we went so deep (laughs) why not why not a very deep character Susan I think so yeah Yeah, when you talk about her but anyway um, yeah I guess that's all I have about Susan in this episode did you have anything else no cool shall we talk about Melanie Jerry's episode girlfriend yeah she's only in one scene talked about in, in other scenes. Yeah, she's too. talked about more than seen. Yeah, she is. She's played by Athena Massey. She's known for appearing in the films The Nutty Professor, Termination Man and Molly. Termination um, Man, that sounds like a like a knockoff version of The Terminator. It must be a spoof film. <laughs> it sounds like a Russian, like bad, bad translation. <laughs> coming up this summer, or, or like German, like coming up this summer, Termination Man. Yeah, Termination Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mixture of Terminator and Demolition Man. Yeah, Termination Man. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was a spoof film. <laughs> yeah. A spoof of like action been, yeah. 80s, 90s his action films. Could have been, yeah. Hard to Google it. Starring Wesley Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold, Arnold Snipes. Arnold Snipes, oh shit. Termination Man. 
<laughs> I'm going to Google it after when we're on a break. Um, she's also voiced characters in video games, including Command and Conquer, Tiberian Sun, and Command and Conquer Red Alert 2. She tells Jerry to shush when watching TV. That's what we're told by Jerry. I feel like she gets really engrossed in TV shows. She seems like, especially with the peas, because Jerry says, why do you eat your peas one at a time? And she says, oh, I, we're in no hurry. Hmm. We take our time. I feel like she really, like, she likes being in the moment and being present in many activities. Maybe she's a practitioner of mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah, she's a very mindful person. Mm. And, you know, eating the pea one of, peas one at a time is very therapeutic for her. Yeah. Even watching the TV, she has to, she probably has to analyze every word, yep. every, like, scene, like, everything that's talked about. She can't miss it. Yeah. She's very attentive and yeah. mindful and present. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't actually think of that. And, yeah. uh, you know, Jerry enjoys watching certain TV programs. He doesn't like being disturbed, especially by Kramer. You know, sometimes there are some scenes in certain episodes where he gets home after, like, being on the road or whatever, and he chucks the baseball on, and Kramer bursts in, and he's just like, oh, I've got to do with Kramer. You know, I haven't even been home three minutes. But, uh, yeah, he's not so invested in whatever TV show they're watch- watching that he can handle being shushed. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes he might talk during a show yeah. or in the game. I can imagine Jerry, you know, he, he likes commenting on the, the minutiae of life. You know, he comments on whatever he sees with these little, like, snarky, sarcastic comments. I can imagine him doing that while watching a TV show, like, you know, commenting on the actors or the scenes and her just being disrupted enough to go shh. Yeah. And him just going, don't like to be shushed. See you mm. later. There have been scenes where he's gone to the movies and he's talked during the movie and he's asked, what, why are they doing this? What's yeah. this for? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you could, I could imagine Melanie's one of those people where it's like, shut up. Yeah. I got to hear every every word. Yeah. 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 And maybe they were watching a movie that, you know, some movies require that. Some movies you can just sort of casually watch or leave the room for five minutes and come back and you haven't really missed anything. Like Meet the Spartans. Like Meet the Spartans. <laughs> if you can get through it. Yeah. <laughs> if you can. Yeah. But some movies really, really require full engagement and any distraction. You, your watching experience is completely derailed. Maybe it was one of those films, but would you be bothered if, again, if you were in Jerry's situation and you were with someone new and you were sitting down to watch a movie, regardless of what it was or a TV show, would you be bothered by being shushed or would you just go, oh, hang on, like maybe I should just shut up? I think it depends what it is. I mean, right. if it's, look, if it's something serious, like a serious film mm. you, and, and it's like really dark matter, you might want to, dark subject matter, you might want to actually, you know, watch it. Yeah. But yeah, if it's like a goofball comedy or one of those procedural, you know, one of those TV shows, you know, those network TV shows where it's like, if you miss an episode, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair care. enough. But I think it depends on the subject. Yeah. yeah, if it's something more serious and with a darker tone, then yeah. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Probably want you to shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? It depends at what point she shushed me. If I just made one comment, like, you know, five minutes into it and I got shushed, I'd be like, hang on, like, I've just said one thing one time, settle mm-hmm. down. Yeah. But if I'd been talking throughout the whole movie yeah. and she just reached a point where she's like, shut up. Yeah. You know, afterwards I'd go, oh, fair enough. Like, I was I was crapping on the whole movie. And yeah, and I agree with you. It does depend on what we're watching as well. What Serious or lighthearted, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Jerry doesn't like being shushed. He likes shushing other people. He doesn't <laughs> like being shushed. He doesn't like, yeah, he just doesn't like it. No. No, he needs to have the upper hand. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he loses his like uh, like George at the start of this episode. And With Alice. Yeah, yeah who we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. You know, as soon as he loons, uh, loses any sort of hand, no, nah, don't want to see her. Yeah, that's see right. See you later. Yeah. So, uh, well, for Jerry, everything's even Steven, so. That's true. Find another girlfriend next week. Well, yeah, I mean, he gets back <laughs> together with her and uh, she eats her peas one at a time and he's like, no, nah, too much. Can't handle a shusha and a single pea eater. Too much. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is, I think this is the episode where we see Jerry at his most nitpickiest. I think so. You know, I think this is like, you know, because he's broken up with other girlfriends in the past for like things which could it's probably uh, probably line ball things Mm. sometimes like it's like oh it could go either way Mm. that we have talked about in the past but i feel like in this one it's like you break up with someone for eating one pea at a time like you can see the start of his 
insanity. Yeah. And I don't think he just broke up with her for eating peas one at a time. I think, you know, initially got back together because he was on, he was excited by the idea of like trying to commit to a, a relationship regardless of all the annoying things. But when Kramer sort of sets him straight, mm, yeah, he, you know, he's, he, he goes back, really, he goes yeah. back to his man-made prisons. Exactly. He goes back to <laughs> typical Jerry, which is find the stupidest reason to break up with someone. Yeah, so, so that convinced him to think otherwise. I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If, if Kramer hadn't talked to him, I think he would have, he might've been annoyed by the pee eating, but he would have tried to get over it. Mm. But because he's sort of, you know, turned left by, by George and then turned straight again <laughs> by Kramer, anything could have happened. She could have eaten, she could have done anything and he would have broken up with that. That was enough. Yeah. I think he just wanted a reason. Yeah. Jerry is afraid of commitment. Or he yeah. just wants to be alone. He's like a kid in a big man's body. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's not to say that, you know, if you, if, if people, I mean, you know, Jerry's very emotionally mature, but I don't think it's fair to say that people who choose a single life are mature. You can be mature. You can be a mature adult and not want to get married or have a family that's True. perfectly fine yeah they're not mutually exclusive no 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 but uh jerry and george aren't doing it from a mature point of view they mm. they are doing it because they can't be mature and, and commit to people yeah so. fair enough yeah. yeah but with melanie yeah don't see her much no yeah, that's really it that's yeah. all i got yeah that's it the last character i have notes about uh alice uh she's played by actress and singer renee fire she was credited as renee phillips in the episode uh she's known for the tv shows er private practice and everybody loves raymond her too she has also voiced video game characters in games including Final Fantasy 15 and an interesting uh, tidbit about her career Steve Renee actually started off as a fashion stylist for Castle Rock Entertainment oh. the company that distributes Seinfeld uh, before moving into acting so okay. there you go that sounds like a logical pathway mm, yeah makes you know, sense so I mean my, my fiance works in the music industry and tons of she represents DJs and all sorts of people as an agent and tons of those uh, people that she's represented started on the business side of music and then you know having one foot in the door they started DJing or you know whatever and then they turned into musicians so it's nice. a common path for people to take yeah but going from fashion to acting yeah well going from the business side of tv whether it's fashion or you know the boardroom or whatever you're like well i'm in the industry i'm not in the the creative part but you you know you're one step there you're not just coming in directly from the outside yeah so yeah that's uh yeah interesting path yeah absolutely um the only thing that i have on her is she knows how to play chess Mm. Yeah, and she's very good at it. Yeah, I think it was her idea to play chess. George, to me, is not smart enough to suggest chess. I was going to say, how can George know how to play chess? I don't know. That's probably why he loses. That's why he loses. Yeah, I think everyone or most people, like, I don't know how to fully play chess, but I know enough about it to probably kind of half play one game and go, oh, I think. No, maybe. Um, was, so George yeah. is probably in that in that position where he's like, "Well, I know a bit. Yeah. I know I know some moves. I know the queen, you know, can do this or the the rook can do that or whatever." But he's not smart enough or sophisticated enough or interested enough to know chess, you know, through and through. I was so satisfied when George talks about the queen and says, "Oh, the queen, you know, she likes to stay home, cook." Mm take care of the family, you know, all that traditional, you know, quote-unquote traditional values that a woman would do. Mm. And then the next move, Alice just goes, checkmate. Yeah. <laughs> and just destroys him in the next move. Yeah, it's like George... George <laughs> so good. George, she wasn't happy with that. She was like... I feel like she's, you know, she's like fiercely independent as yeah, well. She's yeah. probably like, I don't want to hear you shit about women having to stay home. Yeah. Here you go, dickhead. Yeah. Checkmate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Know? I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, George, you know, often doesn't treat women very well. He doesn't treat anyone really any well, even his friends. But for him to just sort of sit back with this smug look on his face of like, yeah, like, you know, he doesn't have a direct dig at feminism or no. he doesn't say directly what women should or shouldn't do, but he's kind of like getting a bit of joy out of like his little sort of rant. Yeah, he's a misogynist. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, that's a side of George we've never really seen in that particular way before. Yeah, we've seen um, him being homophobic, but never yeah. misogynist. No, no, not that yeah. directly. He's yeah. basically saying that women should do this. He's not saying it directly, but it's kind of implied. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, he gets set straight very quickly. <laughs> he does in one move, literally. Yeah. yeah so, no, I mean, Alice, again, Another episode girlfriend who only appears in one scene. Yeah. I guess it's implied that George and Alice met 
between season six and seven like because we haven't seen her in another episode yeah you know because what's what's the time difference between seasons like a couple of months maybe a few weeks I, well i can't remember what happens at the end of episode uh at the end of season six i can't remember the final Ooh, i can't think about it at the moment yeah yet. so yeah I, yeah I think knowing what happens in that episode would help figure out the timeline roughly mm-hmm. um but usually it's like you know a month or two months like there's there's usually stuff that's talked about off screen yeah uh, sorry on screen about what happened off screen of course you know yeah. it, like it kicks into season and they refer to stuff but yeah month or two but yeah not a long-lasting relationship yeah. if he's threatened by her beating him at chess yeah she wouldn't have been around for very long because even george says what about sex yeah you know he's got to have the upper hand yeah, <laughs> why? yeah. that's why he's got to win all the time he sees it as emasculating emasculating uh, that's right it makes him less of a man in his eyes but anyway that was alice i don't have anything else uh, do you have any other notes on other secondary the only other notes i had were on newman yeah. um again we've done his uh we've done an episode on him or what's the deal with episode way back so check that out in our feed and again we've talked about him at length uh in episodes he's appeared in that we've covered but i think you know newman's always been this sort of like you know over the top sinister sort of guy but in this episode where he offers offers as a business service the murdering of dogs i mean you never know if he's actually done it or if he just says he'll do it i feel like he hasn't done it no he's too much of a coward sinister yeah he's fine like newman is good at you know pretending to be sinister and evil but when it comes down to actually doing the evil thing he's usually spineless yeah or or it just you know doesn't happen and he's happy about it because how you can tell is you know he's all sinister and evil in the scene you know with him smoking saying yeah i'm gonna do this to the dog but you see him grab the dog and he looks really nervous to get the dog yeah so he obviously i I think it would have been too far if they said oh he kills dogs yeah you know as as a side job i think i think that'd be too dark even for seinfeld you know yeah so yeah i feel like he's he talks tough Mm. but then just use a figure of speech for dogs all bark no bite yeah that's essentially what it is he is yeah because when he goes to go for the dog he's a bit nervous before he jumps out of the van with the rope and stuff true and then he grabs the dog and it's like a little it's like a yorkshire terrier or something yeah some little yappy little dog yeah Yeah. yappy little you know (laughs) golden black you know fur dog yeah (laughs) yorkshire terrier or something look like one of those but yeah um yeah no he's never killed a dog no he wants to that's probably his fantasy but he won't yeah i mean newman likes inhabiting this sort of sinister character but when it actually comes down to yeah doing like seeing it through yeah, he'll find a reason not to, or it happens because it doesn't happen because of other circumstances beyond his control. But yeah, I don't think he's evil enough to kill a dog or, or yeah. do anything that bad. Yeah, I mean, Newman, Newman's nefarious, but he's not evil. Yeah, he's more of a plotter. A plotter, yeah. Yeah, that's right. But even even when it comes to plotting, he usually sort of gives up or compromises. He's not, he's, like you said, he's all bark and no bite. When it comes to dog napping or dog killing, he definitely is. When it comes to Twinkies, I'd say he's all bark and all bite. <laughs> <laughs> you actually see a Twinkie wrapper when uh, Elaine's first in. It's, it's a nice little touch, uh, like a set design touch it's a blink and you miss detail but when elaine's in the in his apartment and you're shadowy and he's like you know i'll do it and and he goes on his rants about dogs now mm. they should live amongst us sure i think on his right or his left i can't remember you see like a a, a half open twinkie wrapper <laughs> nice which is really funny i miss that one yeah yeah it's lovely good. yeah yeah cool um anyway that's all i have mate uh yeah that's it for me too wicked let's have one more break and when we come back we're talking about well we'll find out where the engagement sits in our 151 episodes we've reviewed so far and if any of today's secondary characters or our new ones we've spoken about today if any of them make our top 20. Well, I had a very interesting lunch with George Costanza today. Really? We were talking about our lives and we both kind of realized we're kids. We're not men. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes, we did. (laughs) Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. 
Okay, where does the engagement appear in the episodes we've reviewed so far? Uh, out of 151, Stephen, uh, 115. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like I said before, probably one of the better season one or season premiere episodes. I mean, it's still not a great episode. It just lays the foundations for the rest of the season. I mean, for what it is, I mean, it would be unfair if I put it in like the bottom, you know, 10 or whatever, because I feel like there are some nice moments, especially with Elaine. Like, we, it's not too often we see Elaine conspiring with Newman and Kramer on things. Mm. It's like the first time that's happened, I think, on the show. I from memory and uh, yeah I-, I loved Elaine's performance as well you know with her voice and stuff and uh, yeah and uh, yeah this is the start and we see George you know wanting to commit and then when Jerry talks about Melanie and what he did George just kind of deflates and yeah he immediately see, regrets his choice yeah and, and it's like a running gag for the entire series George is just so deflated and he tries to get out of the engagement in any way necessary I think yeah it just lays the foundations for season 7 what about you? Uh, 120 so pretty close close yeah cool pretty similar reasons yeah the only scene that I thought was like above average in this was uh, Kramer's rant about why uh, Jerry yeah. shouldn't get married. Marriage and kid. And yeah, family. about how, you know, that life, marriage and family is a prison. No more uh, than TV during dinner. Yeah. It's- is it all right if I watch TV? Or, uh, yeah, <laughs> is just, it right if I go to the bathroom? Is it all right if I go to the bathroom? How was your day? My day was good. How was your day? Yeah. <laughs> and just, I love the fact that, you know, Kramer is a lot of the time behind the eight ball or is sort of in another lane completely to everyone else because he's just Kramer. But sometimes he's really insightful, really profound, and he's three steps ahead emotionally or just you know getting his head around certain concepts so the fact that he knows exactly what what jerry's thinking to me adds a bit of mystery to you know was kramer married how is he so thoughtful and insightful uh and you know sort of concluded about these things you know he, he knows exactly what jerry's thinking which to me says he's been through it himself or he knows a lot of people and he's very observant yeah and they just tell and they just confide in kramer but he seemed he seems to be almost speaking from personal experience maybe he was married then. yeah maybe yeah. he was or engaged or yeah. i don't know it just <laughs> so i like that you know it adds added another layer of mystery to Kramer's character because mm-hmm. there are a lot of uh, spotty aspects to his past yes. and a lot of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like the fact that it was just an establishing episode. One thing I think we missed throughout the episode was that it also establishes in a more permanent way Elaine's uh, you know fraught relationship with dogs in general. Yes, we do see later dis- episodes her, where she struggles with dogs. Yeah, yeah. Her, her distaste for dogs mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, their distaste for her. That's right. Yeah, we see that many times in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Do any of the secondaries, the new ones make you a 20? None for me. No, they're just not in the episode enough to really make an impact. Yeah. I mean, Susan and Newman, they're already in my top 20 uh, yep. already, but I ranked them ages ago. But yep. yeah, now nah, Melanie and Alice, <laughs> very forgetful, no. forgettable characters. Yeah. But anyway, that was the engagement. Next week, Stephen, it's been, you know, three and a half, four years in the making. Hello. Hello. We're doing the voice. La, la, la. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. It's either me or the voice, Jerry. Hello. Mm. Yes, we're doing the voice from season nine, the second episode of that season. Well, uh, Fabulous. We'll try and keep the hellos to a minimum. That's right. So and it's not annoy you. And there's also Darren. Darren is Kramer's, you know, intern for a Kramer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kramer yeah, Kramer yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of like a lot of interesting characters to look forward to speaking about. Yeah, no, it'll be a good one. Yeah, it will be. You can follow us on social media, Bidwabask, B-I-D-W. B-A-S-C. You can email us if you want to say hello or tell us what you think, any feedback or whatever. We'd love to hear from you. We read everything we receive. Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also support us financially. That's right. We are on Patreon. Head to patreon.com forward slash bidwabast to check out all the details for as little as $2 a month. You can get access to our normal episodes a week early and all of our bonus content. And uh, if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation or a monthly amount, you can uh, support us on PayPal as well. And uh, finally, we do have the biggest Seinfeld group on Facebook, Seinfeldism, so check that out. We have partnered with uh, Movember for the rest of November, which is really cool. Um, they're an Australian charity who uh, help support research
research into uh, prostate cancer. So uh, check that out. Absolutely. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And we'll catch you next week for The Voice. Can't wait. Hello. Goodbye. Oh, oh, oh.